For the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about some things specific to life in the church and specifically life at Faith Community. Back on October 30th, uh, we talked through our core values, those priorities that have been guiding our culture as a church for 25 plus years now. One of those core values says that children and youth participate fully in church life. So I want to talk about that this morning for just a couple minutes, and then we're going to talk about one area of church life around youth right here at Faith Community. In the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10, we find a story that demonstrates and illustrates for us the importance and the significant role that children and youth have from God's perspective. So let me give you some background before I read a couple of fairly familiar verses in Mark 10. In this chapter, Jesus is met by a group of Pharisees. Seems like every story starts this way, right? And they finally come up with a question that is going to stump Jesus, because that's what they did for a living. They sat around the conference table, tried to come up with questions and situations that would either make Jesus an enemy of Rome or an enemy of the people. They didn't really care as long as someone was out to get him. So they finally came up with the big question, and after all this traveling and all this speaking and all this teaching and healing and dealing with people... They come up to Jesus, and they try to give him a trick question that would be impossible to get right. And of course, Jesus, in his unique way, uh, just turns the question back on them. And then for some strange reason, this is just a guess, but maybe there was uh, a parent in the crowd who had been waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and they, they just wanted Jesus to somehow bless, touch and bless their child. And they decided they were never going to get a a break from the crowd. There was never going to be a children's hour with Jesus. So I think a parent or maybe a couple parents just broke through the crowd, brought their children to Jesus, and it just kind of signaled that to the rest of the parents. So before, before long, parents and children are swarming him, and Jesus finally has some time with children. And they just began to crowd around him, like, just touch him, just, just bless her, just put your hand on him. And, and Jesus, uh, the children just crowded around Jesus. And, of course, the well-meaning disciples, those poor, lovable, well-meaning disciples, thought, how inappropriate. This isn't the time to be bothering Jesus. There are adult issues at stake here. And so the disciples break in and began to pull the children away and began to stop the parents. And they began to try to defend Jesus from this onslaught of children. And that's where we pick up the story. In verse 13 of Mark 10, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, Jesus didn't get indignant very often. It's not a word normally ascribed to Jesus. But this really kind of ticked him off. He was indignant. He said to them, to the disciples, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, and then he gives us the reason why, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, don't hinder these children, because these are the most kingdom-like people that I've been around in a long time. These are the kinds of people who inhabit the kingdom of God. These are the kinds of people who live out kingdom values. It's as if he's saying, I feel more at home with this group than I do with you guys, because this group of children are the most kingdom-like people you'll be around. And this is, it's interesting, this is the only group of people that Jesus ever ascribed that quality to. Right here, Jesus kind of unloads a little bit of our responsibility, He tells us that, yeah, children have a lot to teach. Obviously, children have a lot to learn, too. And as adults, we have a responsibility to children. And it's in taking care of that responsibility that we learn so much from them. But first, the question is, are we taking care 
of our responsibility. And in a very literal way, Jesus gives us a principle that kind of is a, it's kind of a broad stroke in terms of our responsibility to children, not just parents' responsibility to children, but corporately as a church, our responsibility to children. Here's what he says in verse 14. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. That was the disciples' responsibility. That was the crowd's responsibility. Do not hinder them. And I believe that's Jesus' admonition to us as well, that our responsibility certainly is to teach and to model and to instruct and to discipline. But overall, our responsibility is to remove every barrier, to remove every hindrance that would stand between a child or a teenager and Jesus. That would remove all the hindrances, that there'd be nothing in our lives, nothing in our church life, nothing in our approach uh, to ministry, nothing that would hinder a child from coming to Jesus or that would hinder a teenager from continuing to follow Jesus. And although Jesus meant this in a very literal way, because these particular children needed not to be hindered from, in order to get to where he was, there is definitely a principle involved here. Our responsibility is to remove the hindrances. In 2 Timothy 2, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, and Timothy was a young leader in the church that Paul was, was mentoring. He said this, he says, You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. This is the essence of Christianity. That someone has delivered to me a message that has changed my life, and now God has given me the opportunity and the responsibility to deliver that to someone else. Now God has given us the responsibility to take what has been entrusted to us and to creatively deliver that to the next generation. That's kind of what Christianity is all about, to go and make disciples and passing that on to somebody else. What an awesome opportunity, what a great responsibility we've been given. And as the church, we are responsible for removing every single hindrance from those children coming to and following Jesus. It's a responsibility we all need to take seriously. So for the rest of our time here this morning, Aaron's going to come and talk about what God is doing through one area of ministry in our church, uh, what we call FCF Youth. Here's Aaron. Good morning. I'm so excited for this opportunity to update you about all things FCF Youth. I know Faith Community's youth group inside and out. I vividly remember 10-year-old Erin counting down the days to her 11th birthday so she could finally be a part of youth group. I will always remember my days of Foursquare, meaningful discussion, way too much pizza, and some lifelong friends in youth group. My old youth leaders sitting right in front of me. <laughs> About five years ago, I found myself around SCF youth again, but as a leader this time, and soon wrote my husband Jeff into coming alongside me, because that's what happens when you marry a pastor's kid. <laughs> Jeff and I were actually serving together when we met, serving youth together when we met and have a shared passion for impacting the youth in our church and community. And we are thankful to serve alongside Josh and Megan Young, who have this shared passion and hope and vision for the teens of faith community. The past five years have brought a lot of personal growth as well as growth in our teens. We believe God is making waves in our youth ministry, so let's dive into it. What comes to your mind when I say the words youth group? Good chance you picture Foursquare, since that is a common sight around here. Maybe you picture making s'mores around the fire. 
Maybe you picture gym nights and competitive games of capture the flag and dodgeball. And maybe you remember a youth leader who had a big impact on your life. Or maybe you remember that same youth leader making you eat raw eggs or baby food and you gag a little. <laughs> Whatever you picture, I have a feeling that where FCF youth has found itself over the past couple of years fails to sit, fit inside a box. We have been in a process of shifting gears, some ways naturally and other ways very intentionally. Something we're choosing to focus on is depth over width. When I was growing up in youth group, there was an emphasis on big, fun events and bringing friends. You know the deal, all-nighters, laser tag and fireworks, live music by Justin Bieber. Okay, maybe it wasn't that big, but the hope was for teens to get that excited and tell all their friends. Youth groups among many churches have continued on with a similar model for decades. Give teens pizza, provide a fun activity, bring your friends, throw in a quick discussion about faith, and hope for the best. Now, this is not a bad thing, and there is certainly a place for fun and outreach. But the danger of having an emphasis on fun and getting teens to bring their friends is that it becomes really easy to get caught up in activities and never dig below the surface. And the issue isn't getting more teens to come. They're all sitting over here. <laughs> We've got quite a few. <laughs> the problem is retention with the teens who are already here. And we know this. I know this. If you don't know this, I'm here to wake you up. Take a second right now to just look at these faces over here and know who we're talking about. I saw this trend as a teenager with my own friends, and I see this now as a youth leader. When teens get jobs, licenses, and the freedom to make their own choices, they drift. What has been striking me is that the church, not just FCF, but the church at large, has been watching history repeat itself for literal decades, and we unintentionally fall into the pattern of continuing old approaches to leading new generations of teenagers. There are positives from the more traditional approach to youth group that we will continue, but there are also so many changing factors with every new generation and group of teens who bring different personalities, passions, and dynamics that require us to stay flexible and willing to evolve if we are going to cultivate genuine faith and community with these young people. I want to acknowledge our progress and what is going well, which we'll get to. But I also never want to fall into settling and saying, there, figured it out, the perfect youth group model that will work for every generation for the rest of time. We need to hold our model loosely and adapt to the cultural moment. Here's why it matters. According to Fuller Youth Institute, roughly 50% of students graduating high school will fail to stick with their faith in college. Kara Powell, author of Sticky Faith, shares this. Let's translate that stat to the kids you know. Picture your child or a kid you know and his or her friends standing in front of you in line. Just like you used to do on the playground to divide into teams, number these kids off. One, two, one, two, one, two. The ones will stick with their faith. The twos will shelve it. What is your response to that? My response is that I'm not satisfied with that percent rate. This is why I'm up here, to advocate for the teens and our church family. We have 25 teens consistently showing up in youth group right now. That's 25 people with unique passions and gifts to offer. 25 teens battling questions and doubts. 25 needs for meaningful connection. 25 people in this, young, in this stage of their faith becoming their own. 
Oh, and we currently have 22 elementary kids in Surge. And they will be in this stage before you know it. This is why this conversation matters. I love talking about this stuff with my brother Ben because we look at our own faith that is stuck and explore the factors that led two kids who grew up in church to develop genuine faith of their own. We've always enjoyed diving into these discussions as a process of self-reflection, but now it is more personal than ever as we are raising our own families with the hope that our own children grow up knowing the love and grace of Jesus. Ben introduced me to a mission statement framework created by author Donald Miller, and over coffee, we wrote this together. Being a teenager is hard, and such a pivotal time in everyone's life. And the old model of youth group tends to treat teens like kids at the exact moment they most need to be treated as adults. We believe that if you genuinely listen, give them ownership, and create opportunities for deep connection with peers and adults, this gives them the best chance to become healthy adults with meaningful relationships and a faith of their own. So let's look at how we are living this out in FCF Youth. In case you ever wonder what's happening over in the queue when you hear the announcement that JV or Varsity is meeting, JV is our 10 to 12 year olds and Varsity is our 13 to 18 year olds if you don't know what those terms mean. I want to tell you a little bit what our mornings look like when we're together. We play the occasional game, but for the most part, we skip the fluff and jump right into deep conversation. In fact, we have a running joke that our group's actually pretty bad at small talk, right guys? <laughs> we start our mornings with a short lesson, usually by video, and then talk about how it applies to our lives. Then, it often feels like we could talk way longer than Sunday morning allows. I want to take a minute to acknowledge and thank the teens for the role they play in that. We have a handful of teens who consistently choose to be honest and vulnerable, which has made a bigger contribution to the positive culture we are experiencing in FCF youth than anything us leaders have the power to create on our own. We do everything we can to design environments that are safe and welcoming, but in relationships, it always takes one person choosing to be brave and transparent to open the door to deeper connection. What we see happening when one teen chooses to be brave and take that step to share something they are going through Pretty much without fail, at least one other teen says, oh, me too. And just like that, they are reminded that they are not alone. And isn't that what we all want? To walk through life alongside people who know us, love us, and support us? So teens of FCF youth, thank you for being real with each other and transparent for the sake of community. Over the past year, we have finished three series, including, including studies on the life of Jesus, an overview of the Bible, and practical steps to building community. At the beginning of the year, we wrapped up a series called Unfiltered Jesus, where we looked at the life of Jesus and his unfiltered char character and unwavering commitment to the Father. Together, we identified ways to find peace in the storms of life, looked at the differences between loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we broke down how to connect with Jesus through spiritual pathways, gratitude, and prayer. And we acknowledge that Jesus doesn't demand that we worship him because he needs it, but that he invites us to worship him so that we may live life to the full through eternity. Our next series showed us how every piece of the Bible, from history to narrative, poetry, eyewitness accounts, and personal letters, all point in the same direction to one profound story. 
We started at the beginning of creation, which led to some light discussion on the Trinity and what to do when we feel like God is silent. (laughs) We looked at how the kingdom of God is not simply something that was or something that will be, but that the kingdom of God is now, and we can be active participants. Since this series had a lot of information and teaching that doesn't always make sense, we gave them a chance to anonymously write in questions or doubts um, just for us leaders to take a look at and try to incorporate into future conversations. The weight of these questions were pretty intense and led us to realize it was time to develop more opportunities for mentorship with our teens, which we'll get to in a little bit. The series we just wrapped up is called... Anybody? Find your people. Pretty much every time we meet together, our conversation comes back to the importance of community, having people to trust, be real with, have fun with, and just do life with. So we decided it was time to do a series where we talked about how to build community or find your people. The series revolves around five elements to a healthy, balanced community. Proximity, transparency, accountability, purpose, and consistency. We said that we are meant to be emotionally close to the people we are physically close to. We have looked at accountability and how it can help us grow and mature into our potential. We have recognized that there is no community like the community you experience when you have a shared mission or purpose. And we looked at how conflict is naturally a part of healthy relationships and our responsibility and reconciliation. About eight years ago in 2020, Thank you. (laughs) 2020 feels like a lot longer than a couple years ago. (laughs) Like everyone else, we found ourselves facing uncharted waters or unprecedented times in the face of the pandemic. With so little known about the coronavirus, coronavirus, we wanted to be wise while still brainstorming how to maintain contact with our teens and create unique environments for connection. The one thing we knew for certain is that we would not press pause on FCF youth. We weren't sure how, but we would find a way to continue fostering all the good things happening in youth group. Especially when we soon began to see our teens facing loneliness, depression, and anxiety like never before. The conclusion we came to was plain and simple. They needed each other. They needed to have a space to be together for the purpose of fun and conversation. And we knew their parents could use it too. This led to us starting what we have simply called evening gatherings where we gather in the evening, really creative on our end. (laughs) After weeks of church online and checking in with each other on group Zoom calls, followed by weeks of church with limited capacity and social distancing, we decided it was time to get together in person. We felt the safest approach was to spend our time outside playing Foursquare, around the fire, and relearning how to socialize. Nothing big, no main event, unless you count Vegetable Town. Nothing super deep, intentionally designed. We just needed to be. As we were brainstorming, I can't remember who, but someone mentioned including parents in on those nights. The teens do their things while parents sit around the fire connecting and encouraging one another. These nights together quickly became a regular thing for FCF youth. And I believe these evening gatherings have been one of the biggest culture shapers in our youth ministry. Because of all the hard and isolation from the pandemic, Any differences in age, personalities, or interest were set aside. Teens needed teens. Parents needed other parents. We simply needed each other. And we always do, which is why when we still get together on these Sunday nights, our one and only goal remains the same. Connection. 
Something we love about this generation coming through FCF youth is their genuine heart for others. Many conversations come back to loving and serving the hurting, less fortunate, and struggling friends. When taking spiritual pathway assessments to discover the ways that we naturally feel close to God, advocacy ranked in the top three for almost all of our older teens. I have fun looking into the reasons this might be the case with this generation, but that doesn't really matter right now. What matters is helping them find opportunities to lean into their gifts and serve others. Many of our teens serve right here within the church in children's ministry and the band and behind the scenes on the cleaning team. While we love seeing teens serving in the church from a young age, last spring we decided to keep a regular conversation going about how to be the hands and feet of Jesus outside our doors and launched FCF Youth Service Projects. Our first project was collecting donations to create blessing bags. We filled these bags with basic essential items like snacks, water, soap, and so on to give to anyone we felt could use it. Our goal was to, was to provide at least one bag for every car at FCF to have on hand to give away. Then on the following Sunday morning, our older teens helped lead our elementary kids over in Surge through putting together some blessing bags and explained to them how they would be helping people in our local towns. We ended up raising hundreds of dollars in cash, putting together over 70 bags, and still had some leftover donations. These donations made their way over to Community Closet, which is a nonprofit organization that provides clothing, food, personal care items, and so much more to anyone in need. Shortly after our Blessing Bag project, Community Closet had a Facebook post about urgently needing donations for their food shelves and care packages for children waiting for beds in either foster homes or residential facilities. Your response, once again, went above and beyond. A couple of our teens also chose to donate their time by helping at the store, and we are excited to find ways to continue supporting their work in our community. So thank you, Faith Community, for buying into supporting our youth as they jump into these opportunities to be the light by loving God through loving others. For Hancock County. I could stand up here and go on and on about our teens and the way God is moving in this generation, but we thought it'd be important to let you hear from the teens themselves. So we asked a few of them to sit down with us and share a little about their perspective on FCF Youth. Watch this. I love being with everybody and talking about our lives, and just about our day. And you will never feel alone because most of the time somebody can relate and they've been through something similar. I would say I look forward to seeing my friends and like learning about how they think of our lessons. Mostly I just look forward to spending time with kids outside of my school and getting to know them more and relate to stuff that I'm going through. For me, I look forward to the conversations we have and while we're learning about God and growing our relationships with Him, we're also creating bonds and friendships with everyone else around us. We have been learning about finding your people. Um, recently we've been learning about like how to find your people. I would say that we've also been learning about accountability and conflict because it's healthy to have some of those in a relationship. Proximity, transparency, and like how to find your purpose. Like Carter said, we've been learning about proximity and transparency and really how to open up with someone, all while keeping our relationships healthy with God and with ourselves and managing school and extracurriculars 
and just keeping our brains and our minds healthy along with our relationships. I personally like how we all understand each other even if we don't say anything like like you said earlier like we always relate to each other and I just find that really comforting. Yeah the community is really nice um, just being with everybody and talking. Uh, sometimes somebody just needs a vent and that works because <laughs> we all can trust each other. I think it's very important to relate with people like like get to know what they're going through through conversation and like know that they've been through the same stuff that you have and that they're always there for you. I love that our community would do absolutely anything for each other and whether it's like saying hello, how are you in the morning to inviting you to go out to lunch sometime after church. Um, for me one time we had a conversation about like school and how we deal with self-consciousness and after someone gave my mom a note that said, you're so beautiful, Taylor, I promise. And it just made everything better. I really loved the blessing bags and just seeing those people, they have signs that say homeless and giving those bags to them really is a blessing for them. I really like how we're always just helping people as a community and we're never like, we want to make everyone feel like they're never alone. I've really enjoyed like just helping others like and helping them find God through kindness. I also just love working in the community in general and getting to do it with people who also believe in the same things and Helping others find that love for God and helping others is also amazing. I would say what's really important to me is just laughing and getting along with everybody and serving in the little kids communities. Those are really nice. I love our conversations. They are always in-depth and fun. Uh, I can always count on people to make me smile. And I've made some really good friends at FCF Youth making more friends that have the same interests and beliefs as I do. Yeah, for me, it's the genuine conversation we have. And like you said, getting to know each other, but also just making it obvious that this is a very come as you are place. And no matter who you are, no matter what you like, we're going to care for you and we're going to love you and just see you as a person, as a child of God. I've been helping in the kids' ministry and helping them find their path to God and like just seeing how much they love God and like want to follow Him, it, it's really cool like to know that you've played a part in make, helping them find their path to Jesus. For the past couple of years, I've also been in the kids' ministries and just seeing the little things they do, like running up to hug each other and laying out the fruit snacks for each other and like sitting in a circle to pray and they all bow their heads and put their hands together and singing the VeggieTales songs. It's all <laughs> so fun to see them and like how they're gonna grow up to become these amazing worshipers of God. 
Um, and in the future, I have plans of going on Guatemala mission trips and seeing those kids and those adults also find their paths to Jesus. And I also find a lot of love for God through music, so the band has been a big idea of mine for the past couple of months. And I'm with her with band. Like, I'd love to be in the worship team and play the drums. I would say that they don't have a reason to be nervous and to just come because it's such a welcoming community and I just love that everyone's always there for everyone. So if you're nervous about coming, just show up. I promise that you'll be accepted. I refer to a group as a big therapy session all the time. And I mean, just getting to hear each other's experiences while you're sitting on a couch is really real. And there's, you don't have to be nervous about anything you say or I know a lot of the times for me praying is really hard and like I get nervous about that, but there's really no need to, um, especially with Aaron and Jeff. They're very, very welcoming and no matter what you say or do, they're probably going to laugh no matter what. And you just, it's perfect in here. I think like if you're new here, just know that you will find someone here that you can relate to. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Thank you guys. The last update we want to share with you is one of the most exciting to me. We have been slowly connecting our older teens with mentors. My time in youth ministry and camp ministry has led to countless conversations, reading stacks of books, and spending hours reflecting on what leads teens to experience God in a way that makes their faith a part of them, and not just something they take on and off like a jacket or lose altogether. I so desperately want them to know the person of Jesus and experience the love of their heavenly father. Not so we have the biggest youth group in town or so I can feel good about myself, but because my life is full in the way of Jesus and the community I live in, and I want that for them too. In addition to a positive church experience and parents who embrace being spiritual guides and role models in my life, my mentors are one of the biggest reasons I have stayed the course. While there wasn't a formal mentoring ministry when I was in youth group, I found that the adults I served with in children's ministry and at Baptist youth camp, those I walked the track with at Relay for Life, roomed with on Guatemala missions, and our family friends from small group ended up playing this role in my life. I was not prepared for you all to be sitting in the front. <laughs> they have become the people who helped me see more clearly in the depth of overwhelm, big decisions, and life change. I did great through the run-through, but <laughs> just looking at all of you. <laughs> they were the people cheering for me at my wedding and now have to fight each other to get dibs on babysitting our son. They have been listening ears and shoulders to cry on. They are mentors turned closest friends. This community and support is something we want to see our children and teens experience as they grow up and become adults making their own decisions. <laughs> yes, to grow closer to Jesus, but also to simply do life with friends who feel like family. I seriously just can't look up. Okay. <laughs> this is what I want for you guys. <laughs> Earlier I mentioned sticky faith. 
which is an absolutely amazing resource for parents, mentors, and anyone hoping to help young people establish faith that sticks with them into adulthood. Their website explains that they are an innovative, research-based, and extensively field-tested movement designed to equip parents and ministry leaders with insights and ideas for nurturing long-term faith in children and young people. They have many books and resources we are utilizing within the church and believe they could be game changers for your families at home, too. One of the key elements they identify for creating a sticky faith is intergenerational relationships. They say that each young person is greatly benefited when surrounded by a team of five adults, or a five-to-one ratio. It is always worth investing in peers who are in the same stage of life as you, no matter your age. But it is also worth investing in relationships with people who are further down the road, especially when these relationships are characterized by proximity, transparency, accountability, purpose, and consistency, just like our teens have been talking about. Our hope is for every young person in our church to know who their five-to-one is and lean into those relationships as they grow up. Our mentoring team is regularly engaging in conversation with each other about helping our teens develop the sticky faith through four elements. Intergenerational relationships, a whole gospel message, partnership with families, and creating a safe place for doubt. They are spending time having teens and their parents over for meals, going out to coffees one-on-one, bonding over interests, and just starting to share life together. This is not something we are asking for volunteers for, as many of these mentor relationships are forming from connections where the foundation was already there. But here's what we are asking from you. To embrace the involvement of young people in our church. How? By looking for opportunities to connect, listen, respect, and empathize. In talking with our older teens about what matters most in the culture they experience here at FCF, it's belonging. It's experiencing opportunities to have an equal voice on a team, in a small group discussion, and just in life. It's ownership, getting to have an impact on younger kids, having a hand in creating a meaningful environment or worship experience. And this is where our abilities as youth leaders are limited. We can welcome them, love them, and support them in youth group, but there's only four of us leaders, and there's a couple hundred of you. We don't need more youth group volunteers. What we need is everybody to play their part in creating a church culture that values young people through belonging and ownership. It's on all of us, just like every family member has responsibility in creating and maintaining a healthy family culture in the home. As Pastor Todd reminded us earlier, one of Faith Community's core values is that children and youth participate fully in church life. He said this is an incredible opportunity and a serious responsibility. So how do we, as individuals that make up our church, embrace this opportunity and responsibility? Here are four simple steps to focus on. Number one, look for opportunities. Take a look at how you're already sharing experiences with young people. Maybe you serve on a children's ministry team together. Maybe a teen hangs out at band practice or you attend the same small group. There are some places where talking with a teen, these are some places where talking with a teen and treating them like an adult can be easy, natural, and hopefully not awkward for either of you. Speaking of awkward, number two is don't be weird. (laughs) Right, guys? (laughs) 
Sometimes starting a conversation with a teenager can be intimidating because they're not a kid anymore, so it's not as simple as playing with them, but they're not an adult yet either, so it might not feel as natural as getting to know another adult. That's okay, because they want to be treated like adults. A really simple way to get conversation going is to number three, connect over common interests and passions. Like all of us, it's going to take more than a simple, how are you, to get to know a teenager. You can ask them about school, home, and work, but it's more fun to talk about how they choose to spend their time. Find out what they do in their free time, their taste in music, if they play sports, and share your own answers with them. You'll find some common ground along the way. But most important in any conversation with anyone is to number four, listen, respect, and empathize. I know for a fact that teens in this church are scared to be looked down on. We must move beyond assumptions toward teenagers to truly connect with them. Assumptions keep us at a distance and lead to judgment. We are all guilty of judging across generations in both directions. And this judgment allows us to become comfortable dismissing what we experience as different by declaring it wrong. Different does not equal wrong. Truly listening to young people pushes us past our tendencies to assume and judge. Listening brings us closer. Listening helps us forge a new path across the generational impasse. But let's not stop there, because listening opens us up to the next step. It makes empathy possible. Empathy is both noticing and caring. Noticing is reading someone else's emotions. Caring is responding to those emotions with feelings of our own. If we, as a church, accept our personal responsibilities as individuals to create a family culture characterized by listening, respecting, and empathizing, it's going to be a game changer for the young people of faith community. Before we transition into the music, we want to take a moment to have prayer with our students. I've already asked them ahead of time, so they know we're going to do this. So any of FCF youth over here who's comfortable doing this, you can go ahead and come step into these two aisles here. So this front row, come over here. Some of you came in late. You can follow the crowd if you're comfortable with it. (laughs) We're going to split them up. So yes, thank you. Just to show the unity of one body with our young people. Just like last week with Operation Christmas Child Boxes, if you're comfortable standing and reaching a hand on their shoulders, or if you're sitting too far away to just extend a hand as an expression that we are together, we'd really appreciate it. Jeff's going to come up here. Yeah, spread right out, guys. (laughs) So Jeff's going to come pray. And just keep in mind that this is for the sake of our students, their friends and classmates who aren't here yet, and for the generation coming behind them. And this is for the kingdom of God and our community. Father God, thank you for youth and thank you for the children in our church, the teens in our church. Um, God, help us as we are a body together to make every part feel welcomed and belonged and and loved. Um, God, help us to be, listen and show respect and, and to empathize with everyone across generations. God, help us to, to be 
the disciples and, and the leaders that, that you're calling us to be. Um, God, I pray that um, as these kids look for their people, look for those who are going to show them love and respect and listen to them, that it be other children of God, Lord, that it be us as your body, that we show them that they are valued and that they're, they have a place in your kingdom and it's a place of high honor, God. God, I just, one more time, I just really pray that you help us. Give us the wisdom to, to be their people and to be um, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.